Welcome to That's Marketing Baby, the weekly show where two marketing besties talk all things marketing in the world of B2B and B2C. I'm your co-host, Susan Winograd, and I've spent over 20 years in marketing focusing on paid media and email marketing. And I'm Jess Cook, copywriter and creative director turned content marketer. Every week, we'll tackle a topic that's on our minds and hopefully yours too. Ready? Let's go. That's Marketing Baby is brought to you by Aircule. Aircule is an agency that helps small content teams get control of their SEO, analytics, and content strategy. Susan and I have both worked with the Aircule team. They're amazing. They're super smart, and their free app, Atimo, tells you what content is performing, what isn't, and what to work on next. My favorite feature are knowing what pages are my wallflowers. These are pages with good engagement that aren't getting much traffic. Then I can figure out what to do next. Check it out at Ottimo.cool. That's O-T-T-I-M-O dot C-O-O-L. And now on to the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to That's Marketing, Baby. I am Jess Cook. And I'm Susan Winograd. And you are on episode two. We made it to the second one. We did it. We did it. We got over the hump. We did it. We're not, we're not just one hit wonders here. No. Nope. No, we are nothing if not consistent. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, we want to talk today about, we get a lot of questions around like, where where should marketing get inputs from? Like, how do you even know what to write about, what to create content about, what to base your campaigns around? So we want to talk about that a little bit today. And we have kind of three areas that Susan and I are very fond of kind of getting information from to help inform, you know, whatever it is we are doing. And then we also want to talk through like, okay, like once you have that, what do you do with it? Yep. I think that's the thing too, is everyone is on the, okay, we have to create all the content, but then they just sit there with this whole massive pile of content and they're like, what do I do with this now? (laughs) So like I did the thing, but I don't know what to do with it now. So we'll we'll tackle that too. Yes, for sure. All right, cool. So the first kind of place and probably the most important place to go is to talk to customers. Customers are just like treasure troves of information when it comes to understanding what you need to do, say, talk about, whatever, portray in your marketing. So that is always my favorite place to go first. Now, it is sometimes difficult to get in front of a customer. You know, your organization might not be set up in a way that makes it very easy for marketing to get to a customer. There are ways around that. If you can't actually talk to a customer in person or, you know, over Zoom or whatever, your next best place to go is maybe like a sales recording software, right? Like a gong or an Avoma so that you can at least get in and kind of hear what they're saying and talking about, right? So that's kind of a backup. Let's say you are able to get in front of your customers. And this is something you should definitely push for. If you're getting pushed back, definitely try to figure out why. And like (laughs) marketing should absolutely be able to talk to customers. It should not be too difficult to get there. So anyway, My favorite question to ask a customer, and there are tons, there are tons of great questions to ask, but I think the one I always like to start with is what happened on the day that you decided you needed a solution like us? And what that does is like, it gets them telling a story, right? And then they're going to kind of bring the emotions and the pain points into that. Like, 
oh my gosh, we were doing this process. It was so hard. We like made mistakes, lost information. We could never find what we needed, whatever it is, right? Like they're going to tell you kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And that's what you want. And what you'll start to realize is when you talk to a few customers, sometimes that pain point is very similar over and over and over. And if you're getting that, you know, you've really got some gold there. Yeah. And I feel like it's also a more, it's the more real reason why they signed on. Right. Like there's always kind of like the, oh, customers use us because of ABC, but it's usually very specific core reason that I sometimes I think customers don't even really realize until you ask that question and they start talking about it, you know, and I that's the kind of stuff from a usage standpoint. You know, once you have that, it's so much easier to understand what to put in ad copy. It's so easy in B2B to fall back on it being so product and feature led where it's like, oh, you can do this in five seconds or we can do this in you know, half the time. It talks about what you can do and that's all great, but there's not a lot of urgency with that. It's like, okay, that's really cool. I'll get a demo of that at some point. But it's very different if you know that, you know, to your point, customers, you know, they like this customer started using us because X happened, right? It's something that's usually going to be very relatable to the same situation that they're in or things they've already encountered or things that they didn't even realize there was a solution for. It's just a much more realistic. It's like the more specific you can be, the better. But I think so many B2B places are afraid of that. You know, it's like they're so afraid of being overly specific because they're like, I don't want to, you know, alienate any potential customer. And what if they haven't faced that situation? But it's like the more specific you can get, the more attention they're going to pay because everybody says we do this better than our competitors. We have, you know, here's our latest white paper. Like everyone has that. So it's just a sea of noise. But when you can extract those really specific pain points as to why they wound up signing, almost always it's like this siren song <laughs> to other B2Bs. They're like, yes. oh my gosh, like I totally know what that feels like. Yes. It like brings about that pain, right? It's almost like you can like feel it again. And you're like, that's exactly what I'm going through. So like, I'm going to check this out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The more relatable and like universal you can get it. And like you say, just like, don't be afraid to niche down a little bit. Like it will just hit harder. Yeah. I would rather run four to five different ads testing those really specific pain points than running 20 completely generic white background, you know, very vague value propositions yeah. that just doesn't inspire reactions from people, you know, like, and I still think about some of the most successful ads that you and I have run. They were run in a meme form, but yeah. it, that's exactly what it did. Like it took very specific pain points that both creatives and media buyers have. And the engagement on them was ridiculous for yes. an ad. Like it, we, there were hundreds of comments and people tagging their friends like, oh my God, we know what this is like. Yes. I mean, that was worth so much more than trying to be like way overly polished with something that was just so vague about the product. I mean, they immediately knew like these people get it. It didn't even matter what the product was. They just knew they're like, this company gets it. They totally know what I'm going through. Don't even know what the product is yet, but they get it. Yeah. And it's almost a hack because so few people do this. You will stand out, right? You, so many it's people sad are how, sad how few places do it. <laughs> it will be very clear that you are listening to the people who you are serving because you're not just trying to create some marketing speak in a vacuum. It's very clear that like, oh, you speak our language, right? Yes. You are one of us for sure. So yeah, ad copy, website copy inside your blog posts, or even hand these like phrases and things over to your sales team because they can use them in conversation with prospects of like, hey, have you ever had this happen? Like, 
we can help you. The thing that was interesting too, that we were really surprised about, remember how we kept seeing leads come in from Instagram of all places? Yes. And we were like, like, and the only thing we were doing on there was reposting a lot of these, like we'd make fun of them, you know? Yeah. But we would take those pain points, turn them into memes. And we kept, I can't believe we're getting leads off Instagram, especially for B2B. Like that's just not normal. We're spending no money, mind you. Like it was all organic. Yeah. 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 It was so funny. So it's like, there's also places like that too, where it's like, it doesn't cost you anything. It speaks to the right customer. And it's, again, it's like that lighthouse effect of like, oh, those people over there totally get it and they'll help guide me. But that's what I thought was interesting too, is like, even for the unpaid stuff, we had those pain points work really great. Yeah, for sure. So customers, an awesome source for input. Number two is your sales team. So they are the closest thing to your customers, right? Like they're the ones talking to prospects every day, understanding why or why not they are going to buy, you know, whatever you are selling. So sales team is a great source. And my favorite question to ask the sales team is what do you wish someone knew before they spoke with you, before they had a demo or before they started their free trial? Like, what do you wish they knew? Because really like the point of marketing is to give sales a head start. If Mm -hmm. all of your marketing is saying the things that people just need to know at a foundational level before they get their demo or before they sign up, sales has a lot less work to do in order to get them to convert. Well, yeah. Yeah, get them set up for success, right? And I think too, that's the information too that I feel like really makes such a good connection between what you're doing up front and the customers you're bringing and understanding like what are potential challenges? Like I can't necessarily filter for all those with what we do on the outbound or the inbound side. You know, it's like you can't really, you can't overcorrect for all of those things. Yeah. But it's also just helpful to know like these are the objections that sales is seeing. Like these are the limitations that they're running into with the product or these are things that, you know, we're seeing change a lot. Like one of the things that we've seen change so much in SaaS for, you know, media buyers is what they do and don't integrate with because so many brands now no, they can't rely on what's in Facebook. Like it's just, I've sent you the differences between like something like a North Beam or a Triple Whale, like what it's showing has actually happened versus what Facebook is tracking. And it is so drastically off sometimes. So that's just an example, but it's like, we're seeing things change in the world of attribution very quickly. And with those types of things, if you're dealing in that realm products, that's a challenge. Kind of the, you see some of the same things in SEO too, where it's like, there's a lot of zero click things happening where you know Google's providing yeah. the answers and what does that mean for rankings? So it's interesting to see how it's impacting digital marketing industry as a whole, but those objections are super important to understand because then it's like, if there's something that we do you know, handle that people are like, yeah, God, this part's really a problem. It's like, oh, we actually do that too. You can start uncovering other things you should be talking about externally versus what seems just a given to be talking about, right? Like there's weird little details like that, whether it's in the newsletter that you're, you know, you're sending out in your, you know, webinars that you do, like, are there things you're not highlighting that, because to you, you're like, this doesn't really seem like a big deal, but to the customer, like, this is a huge deal that you can do this, right? It's like you you find out so much in those sales conversations. Absolutely. And again, like just having that information is going to get someone signing up 
they're just that much more educated. And yeah. so they're going to be able to like, they won't have to waste a breath, right? Your sales team will not have to waste their time explaining those things because you've done your job and you've already like given them the ammo that when they're there, they know, and they just, you know, you're just getting them. They're just coming to you so much more educated and you're getting that like understanding and like the value of your product, your SaaS, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing that you and I definitely saw too was there's always the temptation to be like, oh, we want to book a bunch of demos. And it's like, that's great. <laughs> but if they're not the right customer, it just, you're spinning your wheels. You know, it's like you're, it makes these great looking upfront numbers of like, oh, we had X number of demos and they cost this much. And sales is like, yeah, they showed up to the demo and they're not remotely qualified. Right. So I think that's the other piece is understanding from sales where are those lines in the sand beyond just the, you know, they spend this much or they do this many things or, you know, they have this many customers or they're the size company. Are there other things that are lines in the sand that just automatically make them not a great fit off the bat? Right. And because sometimes those are things we can correct for, even if not in the targeting, but just in the language we use, you know, how we pre-qualify them for like, hey, are you doing X with why, you know, it's like something that makes it automatically self-select as being a good fit or not. Yeah. Feedback has always been helpful to me from salespeople because there's just a lot that, like I said, you can't target or change your targeting for it or your outreach for it. But it's also like we could make sure that we put in the information about who we are and aren't a good fit for so that it self-selects. Absolutely. Love that. Such yeah. Great. Okay. Third and kind of final place. And it's funny, I mentioned this one to other like marketers before and they're like, oh, wow, I never would have thought of that, which I always find interesting. I think it's really important to also have a close connection and really good dialogue with your product team. Mm -hmm. And while you probably won't get the kind of like customer insights or like objection type information out of them, what you will get is like, why are we building this? Why are mm-hmm. we creating this feature or this new product? I think the question I love to ask is why are we uniquely positioned to be the one to create this feature, to create this product? Like what mm-hmm. makes us kind of the the thought leader or the obvious choice? Mm-hmm. And what makes us credible in this arena, right? Yeah. And they should have a really good answer for you because, you know, this is the problem we're trying to solve for. Or, you know, we've spoken to our customers and they've said this is a really big issue and we need to be able to solve for that within our platform or our product. So that's also a really important question to ask. I think the other thing that you can get from them is, you know, what are the kind of three key like benefits of Mm -hmm. this thing we're building or this new feature or whatever. Right. And from there as a marketer, like you should be able to connect some dots to like, if the feature is X, the real value is Y. Yes. You need to be able to talk about those things. Yeah. And I think that's where we see so many B2B places kind of fall down. It's so product heavy and it's not human heavy enough. So they get the product features from engineering and they're kind of, they're taking them and they're making them more marketing-ish in how they're explained. Yes. They're not doing the part where it's like, you got to take those engineering specs and those features and translate those into like, why does that actually matter day to day from the person that uses it? I feel like there's still such a gap there for B2B. Like it's getting better. I really feel like it's, it's getting better but there's still so many pages where you read it and you're going, I still don't know what you do. (laughs) I still don't understand what this does. I don't understand why I would need this. Like, is it saving me time? Is it saving me money? Like sometimes none of it's clear. I do think there's still such a gap there, you know, that they get the specs, but they don't actually understand how to translate those into, you know, ways to sell it to people. 
Yeah. A really nice little copy framework for that is like, what can I stop doing? Mm -hmm. That is so annoying to me now that I have this, right? Like no more X, no more Y, no more Z is like a really nice little setup for like, oh, if I didn't have to do those things anymore, my life would be so much better. Yeah. And that's (laughs) the stuff that, you know, I feel like I've had a lot of battles in the B2B world where there's so much focus on like, but no, but you have to talk about that the product does this. And I'm like, no, we don't. They don't care. (laughs) You know, it's, it's like, there was always this like preconceived notions about it just being so engineering driven which I get. I mean, that's that's kind of the challenge with SaaS is it's usually founded by engineers. So they're very passionate about the product itself and what it does. And it's like, yes, I get it, but it has to be done in a way where the lay person that's using it is going to care. Yeah. And they're just always, I've done so much consulting and you know worked at companies where it's like, well, here's a bulleted spec sheet of everything. And I'm like, you can't run this as an ad. No one's going to care. Yeah. But they're just like, well, you can't not say that we do that. I'm like, yeah, we can. because <laughs> yeah. no, That's precious real estate. You know, you've got three to five seconds to say something that's going to make them be interested or not. And just talking about this feature is not going to be interesting. And then of course they'd circle back weeks later and say, why aren't we getting demos? Why aren't we selling anything? It's it's like, gosh, I don't know, because (laughs) you're making us talk about these boring things that they don't mean anything to a user that's glancing at it three seconds. Like you're making them try and think through why those things matter. And they're not going to do that. Like that's not their job. Your job is to tell them why they should care. Right. Right. Yeah. So we run into yeah. it on the ad side so often, you know, it's like, or they, it's this really bland graphic that I'm like, this doesn't at all show, you know, it's like a clip art vector thing with yes. like, no, it doesn't show what the product does. And I'm going, this is not compelling. Like when they're scrolling, it's just so competitive in media yes. now. And I'm like, you can't assume that people are going to take the time to draw these connections. They, they don't have the time. They don't have the interest. So that's been a challenge sometimes too. Yeah. And like, if you are getting forced to like, okay, you have to say, this feature, right? You have to say what it does. Like you can always back that up with it does this. So you can do this, right? Like it has this thing. So you can stop doing this thing you hate. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you just always have to follow it up with, like you said, what does it mean for me? Yeah. Yep. So hard for people to do though. when they're so close to the product. I get it. I mean, I've had that problem. There's, I mean, there's been times where I've gone to external folks and that's where the customer piece is handy. Like talking to current customers too, is it's like, what is it that you that you now rely on us for that you feel like you couldn't live without? Those types of things, it really helps narrow down what those things are because they're not going to talk about the features, right? They're going to talk about those things that matter. Right. I mean, it circles back to the talking to the customer thing again, because you just yeah. can't, it's hard to be in the, the mindset of the customer. It's like, you get why this product's important, but once you work with a product for so long, that kind of becomes what you know, and you just don't, it gets harder and harder sometimes to think about it from the point of view of a user. Yeah, for sure. Well, that was great. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so now you've got three easy conversations you can have that drives your Instagram posts, as we mentioned. It can drive your ads. I mean, it can drive webinars. It can drive product demos. Like it can drive your strategy. Like, I know. It should drive your strategy, right? Yeah. Like, what are the things that are really important that you need to talk about? One of the things that Jess and I talked about before we did it is. This needs to be bite-sized. You know, this doesn't, I feel like when people get caught up in how do I come up with my marketing strategy? What do I say? It winds up being a lot of meetings with so much internal talking that then results in things that get tested and don't do well, just waste so much time. So, you know, go to the sources directly. 
um, it just makes it so much quicker and simpler. And then you, you don't feel like you're guessing. I mean, especially as someone that has to help create ads and help create that content. I'm like, God, I hope people care about this. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know if they're going to care if we say it this way or that way. You know, you're way ahead of the game if you're getting input from the boots on the ground that are actually dealing with this stuff every day. For sure. And you know what? What? That's marketing, baby. That's marketing, baby. It's why we're here, right? We're trying to show you how to do it. So thank you for joining us for episode two. We will be back next week with episode three. And until then, have a great marketing week. That's right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of That's Marketing, Baby. Like what you heard? Please give us some love with a review. And don't forget to hop into our community list at thatsmarketingbaby.com to get more helpful tips, resources, and thoughts from us. See you next week.